When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Marta from Norway, and you're listening to the Inbaptiste Questions Everything. My question is, if you could have a non-human sidekick, like in Ted or the Log Lady from Twin Peaks, what would it be? Okay, here comes the show, and remember, question everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dane Baptiste, my producer friend, Howard Cohen, a.k.a. The Hizzer. Hello! And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we are talking everything from... We are talking everything from Marta from Norway's question. If you could have a non-human sidekick, what would it be? Uh, Easy for me, Dane. It's my cat. Uh, me and my cat have already invented a TV show together. I mean, the cat doesn't know that, but but it did happen. Uh, or does the cat know that and well, tries to keep interacting with you? This is your theories about cats coming back again, mate. But you know what? That's very easy. That's that's my. What about yours? We're talking like things like Ted, aren't we? Like uh, from the the film like Ted. The, yeah. yeah. What do you want? Maybe maybe someone not as conservative as Ted, um, <laughs> or as uh, sexually irresponsible, but um, non-human sidekick. <laughs> um, Maybe some kind of robot, I think. Nice, yeah, really nice. I'm, I'm just not, I'm just not inclined at this part of my life to be cleaning up after somebody else. Oh, great decision! I've got a child. I can recommend. So it. I go, I go, with a, I'd go with a robot, yeah. uh, some kind of AI, something that could interact with me as well as like check references and also have like GPS capability. So basically it's a good answer and uh hey marta we hope you enjoyed that uh thank you for asking your question because this is the show where we pose all the questions don't we dane absolutely no question is too big too small too highbrow lowbrow or too taboo and if you like the show please rate and review on apple Podcasts or follow us on spotify and you'll never miss an episode or subscribe to us on acast the world's biggest podcast network where you can hear all of our very special guests answering all of the very special questions. With that being said, on today's show is a South African stand-up comedian, uh, as well as an internationally renowned comedian. He is the co-creator and anchor of the late-night satirical news TV series, Late Night News. His UK TV credits include Mock the Week, 8 Out of 10 Cats, BBC's Live at the Apollo, and BBC's QI, just to name a few. And his stand-up special, Unlearning, is currently available on Netflix. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Loisa Gola. Yay! Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> yeah. What's happening? For those who are unaware, we are broadcasting and recording um, as London experiences yet another heatwave, which is poorly prepared for. So if we all come across kind of lethargic, then that's why. Uh, but also, Lewis is a very laid back guy, despite being an Arsenal supporter. How's it going, Lewis? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm actually trying to write an article about why a... AFTV is bad for Arsenal TV is bad for the branding of the team. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's, it's teams who have way less success don't experience such scrutiny. And it's because Rob is, um, every time the team goes through a bit of a, um, a situation, he amplifies it. And, and, you know, um, 
and it just makes the situation worse. Hmm. And what is it's it's a reflection of society just always rewarding people for bad behavior. And it's all about clicks. So it doesn't matter what the behavior, the results of the behavior of the or of the action, as long as you get in the clicks. So recently, I think I think it was Ray Paul. I'm not really sure. And he was saying to Rob, "Listen, your 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 platform is hurting the team." And then his response was, um, "I love the team, and I want to, the team to do well." And then I was like, "Yeah, but." You, what you're saying doesn't uh, counter what Ray Parler is saying. Mm. No one said you don't like the team. We're just saying that uh, your actions. Yeah, it's bad for the team. You yeah, exactly. Act with the brand. It's bad for the team it's because you must remember these are the players are aging from 23 to about 32. That's your core Twitter and, and social media. So they're going to access that kind of stuff, and the whole world is talking about them in this particular. Like Tottenham is not a, as a successful of a, of a team. Nowhere That's near Arsenal, but they never get kind of scrutiny. You see what I'm saying? Mm, so, it's, yeah, yeah. so, so for me, I'm like, and this dude cannot stop doing this because it's his job. It's now lucrative for him. It's, it's lucrative for him now as well. Yeah, and it's like you said, it's, it's a. Yeah. That's the thing with social media is that it's down. It's a quantitative uh, measure of success. So what he can say, like you said, it can be massively derogatory to the team and how the team is perceived on a larger scale. But if it does the numbers, then. Unfortunately, it's never going to be stopped because people will always be there for the spectacle. And I think Arsenal supporters is a very unique one where for a lot of them, they've been, they've grown up seeing like, you know, unparalleled success. And so that definitely feeds into it as well, where there are a lot of teams who joined in on, in the Arsenal bonfire who have never, ever, ever experienced the same level of success. Definitely not within the 21st century. Um, mm. And so, yeah, you don't really want to contribute to that, I guess. Well, and, and it's also yeah, it's yeah. just what it's just what you're saying, right? About the fact that <laughs> that the, the, it's like, oh god, I really hope Arsenal win. At the same time, I really hope Arsenal lose because then I'll get much, much more attention on my YouTube channel from posting inflammatory um, discussions about it outside the Emirates Stadium. It's like, you, you, I don't even think it's that. I think it's I think it's more got to do with. An, an overreaction every single time. Yeah. If you win, you're over the fucking moon. Yeah. If you sign Ozo, you're over the fucking moon. And when you lose, you're over. And so these these exaggerations create like a disparity uh, with, with 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 reality. There's a there's a great disconnection. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, so even when I'm interacting with people, they'll be like, uh, Arsenal, you guys are losers. And I'm like, yeah, but they just won the FA Cup. Yeah, but it's not a real cup. you like, yeah, yeah. Well, it's probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane, as the kind of format of this show uh, dictates. So, as our esteemed guest uh, and a, uh, a valued friend, we invite you to ask the first question, which we'd like to discuss for 15 minutes and some change. Then how would like to ask a question, which we'll discuss for 15 minutes and change. And then surprisingly, now the rinse repeat. I'd like to ask you a question which we can discuss for 15 minutes or so and then you can tell our uh, lovely listeners globally where they can find out more about your good works and... Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, pretty much it. Do I have a question? Hmm. <laughs> Hope so. I think the question I that's been playing in my mind is will the pandemic really change like how we interact? Did we use the time off in the pandemic to really apply ourselves and think about issues or we're just gonna as soon as this thing is over whenever that is or if it'll ever be over 
um, are we just going to go back to how things were? Or was there a shakeup happening somewhere, somehow? Great question. Great, great question. question. What, what Can I ask, as, you, as the question asker, what do you think? I think there's really no evidence of human beings learning from... <laughs> <laughs> There's really, you know, like I really think about it. Like I, I, I've really picked my, I've applied my mind in a lot of contexts. Where I go, if I'm black, like black people can still be homophobic, even though they're like, oh, I experienced this kind of oppression and, and still be like, and, you know, after like if, um, people, if you're Jewish and you, you, you are aware of this history of the Holocaust, but then you can still view like Palestinians and not as non-human. And for me, it's like human beings never learn. They never use an opportunity to learn. I don't know, you know what I mean? So for me, I have no faith that human beings have learned something. That's pretty accurate, I reckon, Dane. What you <laughs> yeah, I think it's accurate as well. I think what we maybe refer to or have maybe historically referred to as learning has been uh, the manifestation of maybe human evolution or maybe human revolution in a form of whether it's the Industrial Revolution or like uh, Renaissances or, I mean, more contemporary examples, which you could argue would be uh, maybe fourth-way feminism. But I... Um, would say that, like you, I think there may have been some people that have may have made some individual progress and seen some dynamic growth over the course of the pandemic. I lost, a, I lost a stone. In case anyone's interested in that, how, see, Howard lost a stone. Oh, we're interested in that, Howard. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, do you know? Uh, is that something you're going to be able to communicate via your own fitness DVD or <laughs> blog? <laughs> You're, you're, very, you're very proud of it, and I think a lot of people would want to know. Imagine how I could. Successful. Okay, what we'll do, listeners, is we're going to crowd. I think, I think it's the opposite, Howard. You'd be so successful. They'd be like, hi, I'm Howard. Look at me. Have a good look. Me and my wife sleep in separate beds, but I've been able to lose a stone over this lockdown. How'd I do it? Well, ask my cat. And then, yeah, I think people would go for it, Howard. I think okay, you have that every man aesthetic that would sell a listeners, fitness DVD. If you want the fitness DVD or just a video, um, we can make that happen. Uh, yeah, I think it could happen. You'd be like, <laughs> well, I'm not Joe Wicks, but Joe Wicks doesn't wear glasses. But one third of people do. And so if you're like me and you want to get into this geeky workout, I think it could happen, Howard. Okay. But, but going back I, to your I think, point. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, back to my point. But I, I think, though, so for most people, when they are uh, confronted with an adversity in the form of something like a pandemic or any change to the standard of living, particularly in this part of the world, then uh, I think people will tend to revel in their privilege and their comfort for long enough to try... Uh, as a form of uh, cognitive dissonance to not even uh, address the issues that we're dealing with. And I think the experience of a lot of people in the pandemic in this part of the world has been different to very other parts of the world, which uh, was also represented by the fact that it's taken us a lot longer to return to some semblance of normalcy um, following the last year or so. Um, but then I would also say that for most people who are experiencing this, they, uh, I think human beings base uh, instinct is survival. And so I think a lot of people where they could have been using this time to kind of, you know, evolve and develop new competencies and also broaden their horizons in terms of how they view the rest of the world. Because of all things, this probably would have been one of the best demonstrators of that we're all equal because this has been a, a phenomenon that's affected all of us equally irrespective of your uh, socioeconomic status or sexual orientation or your race. So there's not been a great leveler of this nature that I can think of 
um, in the time I've been alive. Mm. Um, but saying that, I think what happens then is that people, um, especially when their thoughts are, the suggestion of fear is being given to them on a regular basis in terms of how they communicate a pandemic on mainstream media. I think most people have opted for uh, survival and or what they perceive to be survival. And by that, it means that people are trying to return to a state of normalcy, but just for them. And so they're clambering for whatever opportunities or avenues provide them with that, which is the reason why, um, as you say, you'd think people would become a lot more respectful of other groups of people. But I think when people realise that supplies or uh, resources are limited, like they have been in the pandemic, everyone just reverts back to me, 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 and then will gravitate towards a group which they think will give, will predispose them to get the most privilege or the most resources, even if that means that they continue to uh, perpetuate a system that oppresses or deprives others. Well, and, that, and, that, and, and that's, that's, that comes down to the fact that... what. When you go back to normal, I think, as, as Luiso said, like the idea of going back to normal, like that idea is then that normal was good. Um, <laughs> and the, and the, 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 the system that we exist in that was normal was all good. And we, let's just go back to, wouldn't it be better when we, and I don't think that's how people feel. I think a lot, well, not, not everyone anyway, but a lot of people feel that they would want to have changed what life was like before the pandemic anyway. So, do you know what I mean? That puts people in a weird perspective because actually they don't want to be stuck in pandemic land, do they? But at the same time, they didn't like how life was before. I don't know how you solve that. It's bizarre. I think for me, I find it fascinating. I find like uh, Europeans, right? Like Europeans, I find they have a great deal of they can they can mildly disconnect from issues. They like I think they like the way shit is, and they but they like hearing about how shit is fucked up. Do, do you understand? Yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. It's like because the way shit is benefits you, and this, the way shit is it's on your side, whatever. And so even when people study economics, they don't study it in the sense like no, we're gonna th- this system is. Um, is 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 creating inequality? How do we eradicate it? They add it into the equation. They'll be like, "Well, in this kind of situation, only this many people can be poor." Remember, and you're like, "No, we're trying to get rid of this shit. We're not trying to include it in the system of the thing." Uh, I remember I was in Switzerland recently. Well, not recently, like 2019, and I was not Switzerland. It's in Norway. So I'm hanging out with some people, and this person tells me that they were in London. I was like, yeah, I stay, in, I, mean, I stay in London. And then they were like, oh, I, I've been there and I went on this incredible homeless tour. So I said, what the hell is a homeless tour? And then she said, <laughs> it was fascinating. She said to me, it's a homeless person just showing them around how they do their day. And then I said, that is the most fucking crazy shit. That's a cra- First of all, I didn't know that happens in London, but that's one of the craziest things. She's like, why? Because this creates jobs for the person and then they can... Then I'm like, I couldn't... Ex- I couldn't understand how this person didn't see this problematic. I, I thought whatever I was trying, I would be explaining to them would be in vain. I was like, because so used to things happening to other people. Like a couple of days ago, someone said it was, it was, it was in Germany. I think it was in Cologne and this woman's house is wrecked. And she says she'd never expected these things to be happening to her. It's always happening far and to poorer people. And this is devastating to her. And then I was like, oh, 
So for me, I find that uh, you here in Europe, you guys. So you, so I don't even like talking about race anymore or solving race because I'm like, oh, you know, you guys know how to solve shit. You solve a lot of the problems you care about. Uh, you care about football. You know how to act. Like you literally know. Like you literally know how to do it. And so. As a black dude, I just want to live my life. And I know for damn sure if you decided to have the agency that you need to get rid of the shit that needs to get uh, rid of, uh, that needs to get, that need to get gotten rid of, you would be able to do it. You just don't want to. <laughs> That's the only way I can look at it. Like if you, if you, there's like six, like when they were trying to stop the, start the Super League. Yeah. People were like, fuck that. <laughs> and in six days, it was over. Oh, three days. Okay, three cool. days, it was yeah, over, wasn't it? Yeah, was three. And, and there were fines issued and all the rest of it. Like, it was, yeah, it was, it's been, it was one of the swiftest pieces of administration that we've seen in football. Hmm. Yeah. So, so even, so for me, like, like, I don't know if you guys follow, I mean, in the Bundesliga, there's this team, Leipzig. Leipzig, yeah, RB Leipzig. And so yeah. they, they, were bought, they were brought by, they were bought by Red Bull, and they mm-hmm. swooped them up, and now they're, they're this team that's, like, competing. Um, it's a, it's a, a feeder, team, yeah. They're like a feeder team for, like, bigger teams and stuff as well. Like, there's been amazing players yeah. that come from there. And, uh, yeah. But for me, what's interesting is how... It's, it's there's a resistance towards this team and they say no this is just a cash team and I'm like Bayern Munich is a fucking cash team they're all cash man, teams Man United they're, Chelsea Man City about? everyone they're all, they're all cash teams they're all fucking cash it's all about fucking money what are you like and then like no football's for the people and then you're like are you fucking where the fuck is football being about the people when last was football about the fucking you know so I think for me there's like there's Lots of disconnections that I find with like when when I engage with the European people. Yeah, they, I I don't know how to articulate it yet, but I find their thinking not coherent. Yeah, I'm like, yo, man, you support Bayern Munich and you love this team that buys players for like a hundred million pounds, but this team can't just. Do, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, definitely. It doesn't but, make sense. No, but it's the same mentality. It's the same mentality from people who wholeheartedly love the idea of players coming to their team from aforementioned teams, but also vote to leave the European Union. And it's almost it's it's, it's quite because when you think about Europeans and like all the furore that surrounded England's performance in the Europe in uh, the Euros, it's like, isn't this a part of the world you were trying to leave anyway? <laughs> so. <laughs> you know, it's interesting that you're, so you want. It, why? Why do you want to win Europe? I thought you didn't want any part of Europe. So you know, it's one. It's a, one of like you're correct. A number of uh, paradoxical ideas that Europeans have, and um, I think what's happened is that they've never been they've never been called to account for having these uh, dualities until something like a pandemic. And um, yeah, it's. Um, I think just following on what you're saying about people being so rigid in their ideas, even though they kind of contradict, is uh, a large part of the fact that you're living in a part of the world where the real pervading religion is uh, capitalism. Uh, I say that because, you know, the tenets of it as an economic system, as you said, theoretically, um, 
the theory of capitalism is that a divine hand will kind of help things uh, be balanced. And that, you know, is represented by people who see a homeless person, show them their daily life, and have almost learned to accept that as if it's some part of, as if the economy has some kind of natural ecosystem that these people are poor, they accept their place within our socio-economic uh, uh, hierarchy, and they have a part to play as well. And even though, you know, once you actually include the humanitarian aspect of capital pursuits, like, you know, something like a billionaire is going to space but not paying their taxes, you know, would bother somebody. Um, whereas here it's like suggested to people that that's a part of, you know, a free market and an economy and that we should hold these people up. But it's kind of like if people have the resources to leave the planet, couldn't those be better applied to actually repairing the damage that's been done to it so far? And I think we were on the cusp of being forced to confront these issues and answer these questions throughout a pandemic because for me, the pandemic is the first time for a very long time that Europeans in particular have been confronted with a phenomenon that they can't buy their way out of. A lot of the diseases and issues of the similar nature or natural disasters are either characterized by the byproduct of industrialization and how that affects other parts of the developing world. But on the other side, it um, you can't buy you couldn't buy a way out of the pandemic. You couldn't no. pay and fly somewhere else to get away from it. You couldn't pay guards to keep you safe from it. You couldn't pay a doctor to give you a treatment before everybody else or to hoard any uh, cure because it didn't exist at the time. So I think it definitely had forced people to uh, really ponder their humanity rather than their uh, economic status. And I think had that continued, then in my opinion, we'd have returned back to the point where we're kind of like, how important is money for us to live? And how much worth do we have to give this system in terms of how it serves to stratify, diff stratify different groups of people, how it creates our social hierarchy, and how useful is it if rich or poor, if we catch this, we're both getting sick. And I think before that question really came to the fore, um, there's been some insidious acts that have taken place behind the scenes to try and return us to a state of normalcy, which for a lot of people who would be a lot more integral to being catalysts for a revolution are more inclined for the sake of survival, economically at least, to return back to what they perceive to be normalcy, even though I think we can't really go back. So I just think that uh, human beings, I think they've learned something, but I think the primary instinct of human beings is survival. And if that it also involves uh, paradoxical thinking or uh, cognitive dissonance in order for them to try and almost have a form of escapism from what's in front of them, I think a lot of human beings will opt for that. And that's why uh, I don't think... Um, Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I don't think human beings have evolved, but that's because they've <clears throat> made the conscious decision to resist it. Because it, for a lot of people, the world as it existed before the pandemic did benefit them, whether they choose to admit it or not. It's a... Yeah. It's a really good, it's a really good answer. And, and what a good question, right, Dane? Like that, a lot of people were talking about that at the moment, right? Absolutely. It's a real great question. And I think, yeah, there's, there's definitely, it's, it's, for example, I think it's insane that, uh, well, it's referred to as critical race theory. <laughs> um, it, but then have, I'd say yeah. for most comics, like myself, I think, I guess what my material has always been critical race theory. Yeah. Where it's not just like looking at the uh, what, it's looking at the why. And I think that's for anyone that would delve into a system that's in front of them to find out the inner workings of it. So anyone that's not prepared to indulge that are the people, as you say, Eloisu, that I think in many ways, they're kind of afraid to kind of look beneath the rock and find out what's crawling underneath. Well, that leads quite nicely on to my question. Uh, Loiso, if, 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 if any of our listeners haven't seen your comedy, they should go and check it out immediately. Uh, and you've done lots of stuff on, on race. I know you kind of said that you're slightly uh, tired of, you know, let, let other people solve it. But me and Dane often have this thing uh, about race where we, I, kind of, I kind of like to suggest that some of the racist people in our world can be re-educated. Um, and, it, and, it, and we often don't, not that we argue about it, Dane, but we often conflict a bit about that. Um, so I wanted to ask Luisa, who's come obviously from South Africa, a very racially, big racial history. Can you re-educate the top racists, as you called it in one of your stand-up routines, the, the top, top level racists? Or, or do, you, do you think racists well, can be re-educated? Okay. Here's a crazy thing that happened, you know. Um, so that clip that exists on YouTube, the most, one of the, the, the most common comment underneath my YouTube channel, the most common is, oh, another black comic talking about race. How original. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I go, my nigga, I experience this shit every day. <laughs> yeah, what do exactly. you want me to talk about? Like, you understand? Like, <laughs> It's, it's well, you think, it's, but when you think about it, he's already he's already invalidated his own statement because he said a black comic talking about race. If we were in the utopia that he apparently is want, wanting, where race isn't an issue, he wouldn't have referenced your race in the first place. So the fact that he knows that you're a black person rather than just a comedian really proves your own point. Yeah, but for me, it's it's interesting because I, I I'm like, listen, man, racism is the only issue where I'm the victim. I'm the educator, I'm the funder, <laughs> I'm the therapist. I can't assume all these roles. At some point, you got to meet me halfway. You know, like, my friend LeBron, you know, we donating to these causes that are trying to eradicate this idea. You know, at some point, I got to live my life. And so this is why sometimes um, I struggle to, to, to date across like races, I do it, but I struggle. But I, I tell you what I mean. Like sometimes I go, listen, I know that, like you go to a restaurant and experience something that's racist. You, your brain goes, I saw, I saw that. That was weird. Um, but 
I don't want to fight that right now. I'm here for a steak or I'm here for a good glass of wine. And I'm going to have that because that's what I left for my house to do. And the reason I don't want to fight that right now, because I have the whole day at work, I was having a shitty day dealing with proper institutional shit, right? And so I'm taking a time off. And if you're my girl and let you from a, your wife, you're just going to assume you, you, your brain is to go, I'm going to fight this. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's your first fight of the month. I mean, <laughs> I get why you're enthusiastic about it. I got to file my fights. I got to go, this one is going to fuck with my steak. And then, <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? So, so I, so for me, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted because my grandfather's dealt with this. My mother's dealt with this shit. Close. I'm dealing with it. And if I decide to have kids, they're going to de- deal with it. So now I'm like, how do I approach this? Um, and so for me, I, 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 I do not really want to spend the rest of my life um, having to do the thinking you know, about to, how yeah. to remedy race issues because it's exhausting and I have way more interesting shit to do with my time. Right, and that makes perfect sense. And it is interesting just from a, from a Jew, a Jew's perspective, right? Is like, when I get a bit of racism slash anti-Semitism, right? It, it ain't very often. It's, so it's like, oh, can't wait to like tell you that you've just been a bit offensive to to me or you've said something inappropriate. You know, like I, 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 I leap on it. Whereas if you said to me it was like every day or like every you know moment in my life, Dane, right? Or, or you felt it in, you felt it on a daily basis. I suppose that's the better way of saying it. Um, you, the, I completely understand what Lois is saying. I mean, it's it's uh, it's another another part of it is as as Louisa said is that we also serve as editors for this narrative when you are a black person because there's you're constantly trying to find ways to contextualize the same thing in different ways in order to make it more palatable or perceivable to other groups and essentially like uh, I would try to explain it as psychologically it's it's somewhat of an occupation like um, there is a center of your brain that you have to leave open for you to perceive, uh, anticipate, and rationalize this experience a lot of time. Now, the extent to which you do that is almost like, you know, how, how far you open your window if you live in a city where there's pollution. It's, uh, it's how much you're going to let it to disrupt your day. Um, myself, personally, in terms of, like, if we can educate people, um, you have to ask yourselves, really, what is the benefit of education to that person? Like, people tend to electively educate themselves because they think it will give them a qualification that will predispose them to a better life or to more opportunities. So if someone who is experiencing privilege also learns that by them indulging the rights and freedoms of other people, they may lose their privilege, then there's not really an incentive for them to learn on a personal level. So, you know, because some people do benefit directly from institutional and structural racism. And so it may be very difficult to get somebody to give up that mm. because it's not within human nature for them to give up an advantage. And you can maybe argue within the entirety of the animal kingdom, how often is another species going to give up its uh, advantage if it has an advantageous place within um, that kingdom? So I think in some cases, I guess it depends on what you are determining as a, a racist disposition. 
because you know some people may have their prejudices, and once those prejudices are proved to be false, then that can kind of maybe assuage the fears that have motivated their prejudice in the first okay, place. Okay, let's take the most top. Let's take the most high-profile racists of our time. Arguably, there's a lot to pick from. Let's go for the people who tweeted those England footballers. Those those. Let's say that that's a, that's a kind of interesting type of racist in some respects. How do you can you re-educate those people? Um. I don't think you can re-educate them because I think if you look at the complex of somebody who is uh, spitting, uh, using racial rhetoric within football um, and the quintessential racist football fan, you're dealing with someone who identifies politically with the England team and what that represents. And to them, the fact that they're indulging non-white players on the team already, may they may see that to be quite liberal. Um, and on the other hand, it's the status that is afforded to footballers within our culture. So... In the case of like racist in football, you have to also look at football. It's looking at football culture as opposed as a part of British culture as a whole, uh, rather than separating uh, racism within football culture because it's racism within British culture. And I think for a lot of people, especially where it suggests to you that you are a superior person based on your complexion, when you see that playing out uh, to be false in terms of football, where you're seeing your financial and physical superior performing on a pitch, it kind of will reveal to you that you're obviously not superior. So being able to revel in the in white supremacy can be a massive comfort for that kind of person. So, it's again, I would say, can you educate them? You could, but you would have to put them in a position whereby they their uh, education is essential to their survival as maybe a football fan for them to realise. So, for example, if people knew you say something racist, you'll never set your foot in a football stadium in this country ever again then they're going to be a lot more inclined to learn or a lot more decorum than if you just continue to slap them in the wrist and say it's very, very bad. Because, you know, if you have a ideology which allows people to, without actually doing any work, to assume a superior status over somebody else, for most human beings who compete uh, as organisms, that's going to be perfect for them. And, you know, your average man can't compete with a footballer. So to be able to be like, oh yeah, well, I'm white, that uh, gives them uh, an advantage they would not have in, in any other field. So, Lo- yeah. for me, yeah. my biggest, my biggest, my biggest beef with racism is that it's such a low hanging fruit. Yeah, like anybody can. It's just the lowest. Up and it's the lowest. It's, what, it's, 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 like, it's, it's the lowest. It's like it's like it's like. I, that's why I love sport. The qualifiers, you have to train. You know, with racism, you can just wake up and that's, you know, that's how you roll. So you, you how, can see it. You know. So you can see how appealing it is to somebody who, if they have no other method by which they can assert their humanity or in the case of maybe football, their masculinity, just to be told, oh, you're, oh, you're white. So you're better than them. That, as scary as it sounds, that is comforting for a lot of people. And especially yeah. where you're living a life within a capitalist society where a lot of the time, your social mobility is dictated by the resources you have. For someone who their only resource is the one thing they never earned or worked for, that they can use that as a as currency globally for uh, you know preferential treatment. Most people will do that shit. Yeah, I also find it like us. Most superstar athletes in the world are black, and they all represent. They all. I mean, specifically in the NBA, you know, in the NBA. Um, NFL as well, NFL, largely. NFL. The, 
So you, you get like, I don't know, LeBron and he's in Cleveland. He's there for a long time. But you'll find that if you go to, you know, they love LeBron when he's, on, when he's playing and he's doing well. Uh, but that's not, re- and, and most, the majority of the team is black. They can share them on there. They get, you know, it's, but when they leave there, they're, they're like, mm, yeah, fuck that. And the laws around the city, fuck that, the policing system. I mean, I, I think, I think the that prison echoes, system is yeah. like, fuck, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I think that echoes back to and, chattel and, slavery. And, in, I think yeah. it's the same. It's the same. It's the same yeah, as same. football, is what I'm saying. Yeah, oh, no, it's, de- it's definitely the same. It's definitely the same. And, and it's, um, that is representative of, you know, like I said, there are racism as we describe it. We, uh, we kind of reduce it a lot of time when we describe something that I would say, and I'm sure you're aware of, is a ideology which has been used to found the entire structure and foundation of entire civilizations in different parts of the world. So if you look at America, for example, like, you know, being built on slavery, the normalization of black men who are physical, who are superior physical specimens being workhorses for the enjoyment of their white counterparts has been normalized in American society for a very long time. So with basketball, to me, it's no different to how people would view their most productive uh, slave or, you know, or the strongest slave on their plantation where they may, you know, champion their results because they're quantitative and that person may be, you know, the best person that picks cotton, but you know, there are, there are a lot of people during chattel times who would have had, you know, what appear to be close and sexual relationships with their uh, their slaves. But that's fine as long as you don't leave or don't uh, exhibit any kind of autonomy over your own lives. And, you know, in the case of basketball or football, when a footballer makes a decision they're on their own, that may not uh, prove to be uh, advantageous to the group, then this group feels they have the right because of that uh, person's status in society to reprimand them which, you know, is on a larger scale, like I said, if you move away from race, it's very funny that you never have people outside of uh, Downing Street or Parliament, like, booing the actions of, you know, the representatives that they actually pay to represent them. So, you know, it's... it's uh, I, I think the education thing can happen, but I think... I, I theorise, actually, how that it might be somewhat stalled because I think what follows from people accepting and embracing the humanity of all people, irrespective of their race, their gender, or their sexual orientation, is that we all realize we are the same. And to uh, most alarmists, people tend to contextualize that as socialism or communism. And I think if we all do come together and realize we are the same and have, and that based on someone's uh, humanity, you can't exploit them, then... It means a system like capitalism, for example, can't prosper as well. Because if you, so for me, Louisa, what I'm trying to say is that if people did see black people as their equals and did openly denounce the actions of slavery, apartheid, uh, whichever oppressive system you want to choose around the world, and acknowledge these humans, uh, humanity of the diaspora, for example, then they would have to acknowledge that by that same token, if we do consider these people to be our equals, then they should probably have the autonomy and control over the resources. In the, of the countries they're indigenous to. Mm-hmm. So if you imagine like, you know, the Congo having the mineral wealth of like in the trillions because of like, you know, diamonds, etc. If people realize, well, the Congo should be controlled by the Congolese, then the people that profit from, you know, the exchange and export and sale of coltan and diamonds would lose out on that. So I think there are people that have a real commercial investment in 
uh, racism outside of just the ideology and the prejudices that come with the ideology alone. It's a, it's a. I, I'm so glad we talked about it now because the the reason I, I get quite. No, I don't want to. I don't want to help racists. <laughs> I've got I've got other things to do. Right? <laughs> you know, like yeah. I'm, I'm not the guy to do that. You know, but the, the reason I think about it is because I I do get a bit tired of kind of hearing people just go, oh, they're fucking idiots. Oh, they're. they're I, I think there's got to be a bit more to the dialogue than that. Hence, why I wanted to bring up the the question. But um, but it was good to chat it over. And Dane, uh, so over to you, mate, for the final question for, for today's show. Yes, I think. Yeah, I think uh, you've covered uh, part of the initial question I wanted to ask. Um, so I will pick your brain for something else, Lloyd. So uh, I know that you are an avid music fan and uh, quite the connoisseur of good sounds. Uh, as I'm sure you're aware, some of our uh, some of the one percent have recently done some space exploration, um, as well as the fact that we've landed on Mars. Um, and so I guess we're not too far away from beginning our colonization of the solar system at the very least, or at least providing some kind of hospitality um, off-world. So I was going to say, if you were able to take a shuttle for a space trip and you can go with 10 other people, 10 other artists or creatives, <laughs> who would they be? So you're going to take up 10 uh, other creatives and artists, they can be musicians, actors, uh, intellectuals, and you guys are basically going to broadcast a show to the rest of Earth. Who would you pick for those people to be the best representatives of, uh, I guess, human ingenuity to meet the rest of the universe? I think Dane's going to be upset if you don't if you don't say Dane. By the way, I will not be upset. <laughs> I'm joking. I, I will. I will okay, find some way okay. of getting my cosmic revenge. There's nothing more. There's nothing more absurd than trying to go to space for me. Because <laughs> there's nothing in space. It's, it's because it's 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 uninhabitable, you know. It's extremely uninhabitable. That's why. That's why it, only billionaires can go there, and it's so expensive to go there because you're trying to create oxygen. You know, do, 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 do <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, 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 a, it's a bizarre fucking idea. Um, so for me, that's definitely out of the question. I've never even wanted to go to space. I don't want to experience that shit. It's like whatever, man. I don't give a fuck. I think, I think that speaks to what humans um, miss out on. It's like, bro, we've got everything we need right here. Hmm. Like, what the fuck are you? Everything we need is right here. You know, we should be fucking chilling, eating berries, having a good time. But what are we doing? Paying taxes and fucking bills. It's dumb. So we've gone too far as humans. Um, I don't like working in groups as much. Um, I'm a, I'm stand up has really taught me to just grind shit out on my own. I like picking people's brains about stuff. Um, the only, the only, the only, I'm trying to, the thing about, okay, the way I really, the way I work is that I don't do, I don't do well with spot questions. Because I like to think about things a little bit, but if I were to think of off the bat, I would take the Soul Aquarians, and I would like to just really pick their brains about how some of that music was made and what the ideas was. I mean, like all the podcasts that they're putting up now, but 
but it's all in snippets. It's not like the uh, you know like you know how uh, Dilla, Common, D'Angelo, Questla, all those guys, James Poiser, and be like, yo, and then they're all in one room and they're really discussing the um, the intricacies of how the music came about because so much music came out from that particular time and every time i hear about that particular time it's about it's it comes from a person being asked a random question and then it's like oh there, there was a world there was a um that those those are a group of guys that i want to um, i want to take up with i would take with me to space and just like yo we're stuck here let's try to recall what the hell happened there i don't you know like i don't I don't value, I, I value uh, intellectuals, but I don't, I value their thinking, but I don't value their communication. Interesting. Like academics and that kind of shit, because I think that they have a lot of great ideas that pertain to people, but they don't know how to communicate them. I, I'll give you a very simple example. Like most people know that they're part of an economy, but they couldn't explain what the fuck economy is. And so, and so for me, I'm like, that's a failure. That's a failure of, of, of the professional, the ind- or what, or the industry or, but the, I, like, if I go to a doctor, a doctor will always explain to you to the point where you understand. And the, and I would like to think that the body is more intricate than the fucking economy. <laughs> and it's always this bullshit, like where you're like, yo, so explain to this, this economic thing. And then they'll always go, yeah, 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 yeah. You, you wouldn't understand. I'm like, yeah, I'm part of it. I should understand. And, <laughs> and, so, and so for me, I did. so that's just one part aspect of like intellectual uh, and academia that I have a big problem with. It's just this idea of like, you guys are not really fucking passing these ideas on. You keep these ideas to yourselves and these ideas rot and these ideas you, you speak of. And, and so what that means is that you've canceled out maybe... 99.9999% of the population, global population, in participating in this entire conversation. So it's not a real fucking thing to me because you've anni- annihilated a lot of people. Um, so I wouldn't take any of those people with me because they'll just be saying shit I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think, I don't know, who else would I take with me? I'm very interested in like how black South Africans lived in the late 1800s. (laughs) Um, I'm really interested in like, you know, how, what were you guys thinking and what were you guys on? What was, I'll take one of those dudes or a couple of those people and just be like, yo, what, you know, what's going through your mind when these things are happening? Because it's very different from like, because the story we kind of understand now in terms of, narrative and story is that you were taken from one place of the world and you were enslaved in another part of the world but there's a very the story of someone entering your world and destabilizing you and discrediting everything you do is never really a story that gets you know told and i'm just always interested in yo what was what was going through your mind when this was happening you know and then and then I'll just bring flavor flavor. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, there's a, there's a well, 
you know, on the subject of Flavor Flav, there's a reason why he's in Public Enemy. So obviously he had a place there, you know. Someone, I guess there had to be a balance to Chuck D. So they obviously knew who they wanted to speak to. So you need you need a Chuck D and you need a Professor Griff equivalent and you need a, a favorite Flavor Flav equivalent to put that together. So no, Flavor Flav makes sense. <laughs> I think it'd be important for perspective. I think there's a that really interesting thing is that list of people you wouldn't want with you. Like it, I, I, there's <laughs> there's a lot of people I could think of. I was watching all of those um, those Adam Curtis documentaries. Have you seen these things, Loiso? I know Dane knows this guy, um, but it, no, I don't. Know, I don't even know who that oh, is. Oh man, we're gonna. I'm gonna send you a link. Really, really worth watching. You, you, yeah, documentarian. You, 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 definitely check like out like the normalization. Like a kind of I like a, a like an avant garde like artistic documentary maker as opposed to like. Here's just the facts of what happened. Like, and it, oh, okay. anyway, I was ill last week. After he, he almost like Adam Kerr's almost he almost makes like documentaries for somebody who's not been on Earth before. Yeah, just to show you, it's like <laughs> don't, you, don't you think how it is? Almost, it's almost as if you weren't from Earth and you you could look at his documentary Dane, and be like, how did we get? Ser- and you were like, how the fuck did they get here? <laughs> and Adam Kerr's documentary is the answer. Well, uh, Dane, seriously, mate, I was you know I mentioned to you I was sick last week uh, after I had my second jab, and I watched six hours of this guy's documentaries, which didn't make me feel at all. Better. I'm about to say, Howard, yeah. are you trying to get better or not? <laughs> but by the end of these six hours, I really thought to myself, I don't really want to know this man. I, I mean, I would like to spend time with him. I'd like to talk to him on a on a podcast, Dane. But I think it'd be very difficult to spend life in space with him. Uh, I don't, maybe he's loads of fun. I don't know. Like Arsene Wenger, I bring up Arsene Wenger, Loiso, because I think he's a fascinating guy. But might he get a bit intense? After a while, I don't know. I read his book. It's not as intense. It's just a bit like get zoned in. That's what I mean. Yeah. He's not yeah. intense. He's not. He's not. He he actually says in his book that the the foot the way football is set up now, they overdevelop the kids. They turn them into robots. And so, like like if you think of Neymar, like name as as good as Neymar is, but if he had if he had started playing football in Europe he wouldn't have been the person that he is. So if you think of like Sterling and and you think of, like I play a lot of football and the way you're from, like you could, play, you could play football with me for 30 minutes and I could tell you exactly where you're from. If no one spoke to anybody and it's all cultural, it's all linked and it's small things. It's really tiny things. English English players, all English players, all English players value a good tackle. All in, most English players can shoot very far. Um, most the way they perceive football is very direct, <laughs> and they, it's it's very long balls. They'll never give you, you know, Spanish guys very short. Everything is intricate and everything nothing fancy. The most simplest things we do simple things, and we get to where we're going. French guys, very flashy and, you know, everything, you know. And and and, and as I'm playing football in London, it's the first time in my life because I, I, I started playing football in, in South Africa and all pretty much one person. It, it, it is the most interesting thing ever. And the best footballers I play with are South American. Right. Because they're like a mixture of all of it. They like, they work hard. They know how to, they're just technically gifted. They just, they just got a bit of everyone. Hmm. And if you look at them culturally for the most, for the longest time, they, you know, they have African, like Brazilians have African, yeah. they have European, they have, you know, there's, there's a bit of Portuguese you, there, there's a bit of, you know. Have you ever played with, uh, have you ever played football with Dane, 
Loiso? Uh. No, not yet. We've been trying actually. The last when was there was a game that we were talking about that was in the south. Um, I was I was banned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's what you told me. Yeah, that's what banned. you told me. But I play off this app called Footy Addicts. I don't know if you heard of it. Oh, right. Oh, no, yeah. oh, no, I've heard of it. Yeah, so you so you just uh, go to like uh, goals and stuff and play. Yeah, yeah. If you just log on and you pay like five, two pounds, three pounds, whatever, whatever the game is, put on some boots and you play with random guys. Just ch- there's a game every hour. You just choose when when you want to play and you go play. Um, but it's a very it's a very amazing app. I, whoever 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 invented the app, I, w- I would like to buy them a beer. <laughs> but um. Um, I don't, I, I don't know. I forgot what the question was. We, who you're taking to space with you. Um, but I think we did. So Arsene Wenger, so no, Arsene Wenger was not, I, to go back to your point, Arsene Wenger is not as intense as, as he, he might appear. It seems. Yeah. He's not intense. He, he doesn't seem that He's intense. Actually quite he seems very focused. Yeah. And, and quite, he actually seems quite a measured man, to be honest with you. Yeah. Considering yeah. Like, the vitriol that he kind of gets and, how much he was resisting the new wave of how football appears now, because I'm very sure that Arsene Wenger preempted something like the Super League a long time ago. Oh yeah, um, yeah, definitely. And yeah, he was uh, he was always against that. Even even ten years before he made that statement, he was like, "I don't think you, you guys were going the right direction." Yeah, but um, yeah. Yeah, just for the record, it is what it is. Just, it is what it is. Just for the record, I'm never uh, going to space. I don't care how much someone tries to pay me. I have no interest in. I don't like being in the air generally, let alone having to be out of a fucking atmosphere where there is no air. Um, so, Dane, if I did go to space, come with me, mate, because I'm. I'm it's, it's, I assume the world's ended, basically. You want me to be there when you have a nervous breakdown, and yeah. not your own well, wife. No, no, you, you oh, said right. I had a few people, so obviously my wife can come, and so can my son. But okay, if cool. we're leaving then, the yeah. planet, the only way I'm getting on a spaceship is if we're leaving the planet because it's over here, and therefore we, you know, I'd, I'd keep want to keep doing the podcast if that's cool with you. <laughs> that's yep, cool with you. Absolutely, oh, you know. I'm, there'll be a lot of questions then when we're leaving the planet when it's uninhabitable. So. Yeah. Like, how, how do we live here? uninhabitable. It's over. Yeah. It's, like, don't try to go elsewhere. Space is already inhabitable. They've already got a plan, yeah. though. Wow. You know there's a plan for, like, about 50,000 people, right? There must be. I think, I think the only plan for the foreseeable future is because someone like Mars is, has a, a ferrous uh, composition, it's got a lot of iron and metal, I think they just want to mine it initially. Right. I think we're going to go more Blade Runner than Star Trek initially. Interesting. Yeah, you see... Not involved. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we, we, we've we've gone, you know, we've we've gone to very different places, including space in this episode, Dane. But it's been so good because we actually tried to book Loiso to meet us in person before the pandemic hit, and it didn't happen. So I'm delighted that we actually made it happen. And in that time, you've had a, a lovely couple of years uh, in your career, Loiso. So um, it's been brilliant to have you on the show, mate. Thank you. Um... Yeah, thank you. I thought this was probably like when I spoke to Dane, he said he didn't say it was going to be over Zoom. So when you sent me a, a Zoom link, I was like, yeah, but we're talking now. Why would you? Why would you? Why would you? Yeah, unfortunately. I was like, so I was, yeah, I was, I was waiting for an address and you sent me a link. And I was like, 
because I, I think I guess also I was um, sure because I'm sitting in front of a screen all the time. Yeah. So I didn't want to like. Yeah, we all are. You know, we all are. I would have loved to have this in person. Oh well, listen, man, um, we're doing live shows hopefully again soon. So we'd love to see you for a live show. Uh, that would be wouldn't, wouldn't we, Dane? Oh, absolutely. Um, I know that a lot of the time, Lucy can be quite cynical about podcasts, but we don't profess ourselves to be experts here other than just questioning uh, our lives and our reality. Um, with that being said, uh, for those who want to see uh, how you uh, describe your reality, where can our listeners find out about more of your good work? So what would you like them to check out? Well, my Netflix special is, uh, came out in March. Um, so it's been there for like six months now. It's called Unlearning. Go check that out. Um, I'm, I, I might, I'm, I'm doing a tour. I'm, yeah, I'm doing a tour in September. I, I don't want to be, I don't want to get too excited about shit like that. And then sure. we'll go back to a lockdown. So I'm, I planned, okay, but, but I've planned a tour in September. Um, just go to my socials and I'll keep you posted about where, where it's all happening, you know. Uh, we will be sharing it, I'm media. sure. Oh, cool. That's fine. I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah, all of that. All that good stuff. Lovely. I don't, I'm not bad at plugging, man. <laughs> you did it nice and neat. It was nice and neat, mate. There was nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so, yeah, laying yourself, laying yourself bare, they take you, take you as you are, innit? Yeah. So it's either they want to check out or they don't. Yeah, no, exactly. Why force people? Well, it's been, it's been really good to have you on the podcast. And I, I, I don't really want to ask you what you think is going to happen to Arsenal next because I don't think it's going to be very good. So uh, uh, I might <laughs> leave that one there. <laughs> I mean, I think you should edit that clip and send it to Rob and join those fucking AFTV motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBaptweets or Instagram at DaneSnaptiste. Our guest was Loiso Goyler. You can follow Loiso on Twitter and Instagram, at Luis O'Goyler. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram, at We Are Audio Culture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at DBQE Podcast. Thanks to Polly, Gelly, and the ACAST team for all their support. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.